Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. In the seasons of discouragement, what I have found, if I will look to the Lord, those are actually seasons where God shows me more of who He is. I've learned more through difficult seasons about God than I have through some of the good seasons. Uh, when I say good, you know, when things are going great, it's not that I'm not experiencing God. I'm appreciating the greatness, but there are some times where I'm desperate and broken and hurting and going through. And, and, and those are times where I've, I've experienced God just show himself. Who actually enjoys doing hard things? It's like those nutty folks who get up at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym and pick up heavy stuff. I mean, who would pay for that kind of thing? Who actually likes to get out there and just run, and no one's even chasing them? Pastor Bill teaches you today how God allows difficult things in your life to draw you closer to Him. He allows trials to build and shape your character. You might not like it, but when you get through to the other side, you'll be better off. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 29, as he continues his message, Lord, save me from myself. Interesting thing, the, the reason that Achish felt the way he did about David was because David was living a lie to him. If Achish had known that David was going out whooping who he was really whooping, he wouldn't have felt this way. What this means is that David had lived a lie. He had lived it so well that he's convinced this enemy, right? He's convinced Achish that he's, he's not out, just, you know, he's out fighting Israelites. Achish thinks David already is fighting Israelites. And so... I had the question initially, when you first read this, you think, you know, David intentionally was fighting with enemies and coming back and lying and saying he was fighting with Israelites. But you, you wonder, would he have fought Israelites? It seemed like he intentionally didn't do that. Here's something that happens with sin. You know, the further you go, the deeper you get into it. And maybe what you would have never done and some of us know this, right? Wherever you start off in sin, there'll be some things, oh, I'll never do that. But you go long enough and that bar starts dropping and stuff you thought you would never do, you find yourself doing. And you just drop the bar a little lower and you keep going, you go long enough. That's why when I, I'm interacting with people in the world, I don't care how dark, how far they've gone. I, I know that sin has no bounds. The longer you're in, I know there's no bottom to how dark and how low a person can go in their sin it's true, the statement that says sin will take you further than you want to go. It will cost you more than you want to pay. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. So once you commit yourself to it, it's going to have its way in your life. It's, you know, it has a way of doing all three of those, keeping you longer than you wanted to stay, costing you more than you want. It has a, it has a way of, of, of ruining your life, but you end up way further off in it than you ever thought you would be. And so... I don't know if David started off thinking that he would do what he's doing now, but he does end up in a place where he's going to be willing. We'll see in this chapter, David is going to be willing. Actually, he's going to be offended when they tell him that he can't go. And so something has definitely happened in his heart where he's, he's become willing to go with the enemies. And so again, Achish is defending him. And I, I, that last part of the sentence is really sad it says, I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. So he even knows, David, I know where you belong, but you defected to me. Right. So 
This can happen in, in, in some secular ways. This can happen. You can have a guy that plays for a team and, you know, he's mad about the arrangement of this team and he can go to another team and take all the secrets with him. That's a guy that's defected to the other side. You know, uh, we would call a guy like that a traitor. You know, that's why people don't like LeBron because he'd be hopping from place to place. You know, he had his original hometown. I know he's with the Lakers now, but, you know, he's not Kobe. But anyway, um, you know, guys defect to <laughs> they, they defect to different things. And so David has defected to the Philistines and they're aware of it. They're clear of what's happened uh, now look at verse four and five. It says, but the princes of the Philistines. So even though Achis was OK with him being there, he's being confronted by the princes of the Philistines. The princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, make this fellow return that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. And do not let him go down with us to battle, least in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not with the heads of these men? Is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? So the Philistines say, you know what, man, this is a scheme. David is he's playing games. You know, he's just joined you guys because we're going to go to battle. And in the midst of the battle, he's going to turn on us. And with what could he, you know, make up with solved than to, you know, bring him the death of a bunch of Philistines. And so that's what they've concluded. They are not buying that David is truly defected. They don't believe it. They don't buy it. And they remember, I wish that David at this point remembered who he was, but the enemies remember, we know who he is. They said, no, nah, this is David. Remember they used to sing that song. The little, the women would come singing. Saul has slain his thousands. That's a song Saul hated so bad. They got him all messed up. You know, Saul has slain his thousands, but David's his tens of thousands. And this reminded me of a couple things. One, it's important that we remember who we are and whose we are because the enemy ain't forgotten who you are. Right. The enemy knows who you are, whose you are, who you belong to. Uh, what team you're supposed to be on. He remembers. Agus has been wooed by David. He's like, man, David is my guy. I, he's my personal protection guy. I trust him. I believe in him. He's going to have all kind of flowery things to say about David. Oh, he's like an angel of God in my sight, blah, blah, blah. But not everybody else. Everybody else is saying, nah, the David I remember was out there slaying giants and wrecking havoc on Philistines and the maidens was coming back singing his song about him killing his tens of thousands. I want you to let that sink in. Right. David was killing tens of thousands of the enemies, putting them out. I mean, just wiping out the enemies. And so I look at his life and I think, man, you know, why is there such a why does there seem to be such a target on his back? Why is the enemy work through Saul to attack David? I want you to know this. If you're effectively working in the kingdom, you're going to have adversaries. I don't know anybody that's doing great things for God that doesn't have mega, mega, major attacks. And sometimes I've, I've been blown away. There are guys that I think my attacks are big, what, what I'm going through. But I'll talk to guys that are, you know, way beyond me, guys that are, that are serving in a much greater capacity. And as I listen to what the war is like and how constant it is and how the I'm like, wow, you know, War, spiritual warfare is a real thing. Satan wants nothing more than to 
hinder, stifle, in some way, you know, some way reduce the effectiveness of the servant of the Lord. I don't think that the reality of spiritual warfare should never be a deterrent to doing ministry. Uh, but it, it should always be something that we're aware of. Um, sometimes warfare is an indication that I'm on the right team doing the right thing. Right. The enemy is bothered. The enemy is stirred up. And so we're, we're getting this attack because of, of what we're doing right now. Sometimes it's a clue that we're on the right trail, that we're doing the right thing. Uh, but also warfare is real. Satan's intentions are very real in warfare. He wants to hinder the work of God. And so what do we do about that? We pray. We stay in our word. We stay in fellowship. One thing you never want to do when warfare turns up, you never want to retreat. And the mistake that David has made right here, David never lost a battle that he went and fought in the name of the Lord ever. He never went out in the name of the Lord uh, and was defeated in battle. He's being de- he's losing right now because he, he retreated. He's turned back. He's turned tail. Um, I always remember this when you look at the spiritual armor. Right. You got the helmet of salvation. You got the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These little shoes with spikes in them so you could, you know, keep hold ground and move forward. There is nothing in the armor to protect your backside. You know why? Because God never intended for you to turn tail. God's intentions was you always you're always going forward. You always as you go forward in me, every everything that you need, I've given to you. For you to be victorious moving forward. But God hasn't given you anything to provide protection should you defect from the battle, should you turn your back. And so don't ever turn your back. But I just remind us here that the war is real. David had been very effective and he wasn't even the acting king yet, but he's already been very effective when he was going out and coming in among Israel. And that's what made Saul so jealous. And I believe it's why the enemy is, is saying, man, let me see if I can mess this guy all the way up. David has been discouraged. He's been beat down. We know that it doesn't end here. We do see that. I, I look at this chapter. and I think, man, had David succeeded at going with them, it might have been it. Uh, I don't know that David can go kill a bunch of Israelites and then still become the king of Israel and everything go the way that it ended up going for him. And so now look at verse six. Then Achish called David and said to him, surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright and you're going out and you're coming in with me in the army is good in my sight. For to this day, I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the Lord's do not favor you. And so again, Achish is telling David, hey, man, to me, bro, you good money. I haven't seen anything foul in you. I haven't seen any evil in you since you came to me. I mean, you are upright and you're coming in and you're going out. Um, I've found no evil in you. Um, he says, nevertheless, the lords of the Philistines, they don't favor you. And I thought um, it, this is probably the best thing that could have happened to David here. But I want you to think about this. David is being rejected by the enemy, right? He should have been rejecting the enemy. The enemy is having to reject him because he didn't turn away from it. Because he didn't, you know, because he went and joined himself to the enemy. God's like, I'm going to help you out. They're just not going to have you, David. And so they they won't allow David to join up. Uh, I thought of this verse. If you're a note taker, write down Luke 6, verse 26. It says, beware when all men speak well of you. Somebody shouldn't be speaking well of me, right? Uh, you need to beware when every, everybody's got something positive to say about you. I'm not saying to be a jerk. 
But if you just be a Christian, somebody not going to like you for that. Y'all know that? Think about how good Jesus was. Jesus came to earth. What did he do that wasn't good? He fed hungry people. Amen. He healed sick people. He cast demons out of folks, kids. I mean, he came into the community and turned things right side up. And yet people hated him. What did they hate him for? Because of who he, who he was and what he represented. And so the Bible says, look, if Jesus said to his disciples, if they hated me, they're going to what? They're going to hate you too. If, you, if the people that hate me realize that you represent me, they're going to hate you too. Because you're a reflection of me. And so, you know, he says here, hey, woe to you. Or be, beware, be careful when all men speak well of you. Because everybody's not speaking well of the Lord. Be careful about being a Christian that needs everybody to like you. That's a dangerous place to be in. So it's a good thing here that they're like, nah, we, we, the other Philistines, like we remember the old David and that guy right there. We, we don't got nothing good. We don't want him on our team. Um, they haven't really met this new David that's defected, but they're like the David that we knew um, was out here wiping out Philistines by the tens of thousands. No, he cannot come with us. We will not have him on the battlefield with us. And so, again, it says the Lord, the anchor said, hey, the Lord's. Don't favor you. They don't want you to be with us. And so verse seven now, it says, therefore, return now and go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. I want you to catch it's a little threat on that. He's telling David and his men, hey, you guys need to pack it up. He says, therefore, return now, leave now, go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And. I read this. I would have thought that that should be a relief to David. Right. If David were in the frame of mind that I would hope he would be in, which is I don't want to go to war against Israel with the Philistines. But now I've got myself in this pickle because I've been over here and Agus thinks I'm defected to him. Oh, no. Now he wants me to go to war. If they just said you can't come, David would have said, oh, man, what a relief. That's not what's going to happen. David is going to be perplexed like. Why can I go? You know, what have I done that I can't go? But so uh, I would I would love to say that the Lord intervened here and David was like, oh, my gosh, praise God. I don't got I don't have to you know, I have to go out here and, 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 and get into this battle or whatever. But this is where it lets me know David was actually willing to go. And uh, he was actually willing to go with the Philistines and fight against Israel, which, again, I think would have it would have been the end for David. So verse eight. So David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king? That's a, verse eight is a sad sentence because it's coming out of David's mouth. Few things, verse eight. First of all, he says, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant? David said, look, I'm your servant now. So something we want to be careful of as I'm looking at David, we just want to learn lessons from this. Amen. I don't want to be anybody else's servant except the Lord's servant. I don't want to see myself as submitted to a servant of I'm, I'm the servant of the Lord. Primarily, I may have a job somewhere. You may have a job somewhere. You may work for someone, but primarily you are a servant of the Lord and it's the Lord that you serve. And Again, that would mean that we would not submit ourselves under anybody that would call us to do something against the Lord. 
right? So if you have a job, I would hope that if your job told you to do something that would be a sin, you would say, I can't do that. I'm, I'm a servant of the Lord. I, I can't do that. I'm not going to fudge, fudge papers for you. I'm not going to lie on this for you. That's, that's not I'm the wrong guy for that or the wrong girl for that. But David said, um, what have I done? And um, he calls himself. So he asked, after asking, what have you found in me? He says that I may not go against the enemies, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king. So David is protesting, saying, what, what have I done that I may not, that I, I'm not able to go out and fight against my Lord, the king? I want to fight your enemies for you. It seems that David was willing to take his men, to take his power, to take his ability and go fight against Achish enemies. But Achish enemies are, are Israel. And this is what I wonder. This is to David's credit, right? I wonder if David is not, he wouldn't stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed. He restrained himself multiple times. This is Saul's guys, Saul's armies that they, they want to go out against. And I wonder if David is, is finally just like, man, just I, forget it. I did the right thing a long time and it didn't work out for me. I did it the right way multiple times and then I'm still in the same predicament. I feel that that's the discouragement that has brought him to where he is. And so I, I want you to consider this because there are men and women of God that have done the right thing for a long time without seeing the fruit yet. And God has given us their stories that you wouldn't get you wouldn't get so easily discouraged when you've been doing the right thing for a long time with no results. There are people in marriages where one spouse is doing it the right way a long time. It's not working yet. Keep going. There are people that are in life situations where, God, I've done it your way. Because you know what I've heard? I've heard people that feel like, God, I tried doing it your way. How long, though? How long is too long to do it God's way before you switch up? Question. Is there an amount of time where it's like, I did it your way for this many years. And then after that year, I said, you know what? This, I got I to help God out. It's not, there's not an amount of time, is there? You just got to keep going the right way until the Lord shows up. And I think of Abraham who, God, I waited. We, we waited and we waited and I bummed out my wife and my, now I'm just going to my wife's handmaiden. And then that wasn't it, was it? That wasn't God's will. That wasn't God's plan. I look at Joseph who suffered for years, sold into slavery by his brothers, you know, lied on and said he raped someone that he ran from and then on and on and on. He's, I mean, he, and he just waited on God a long time. Now, Joseph is one of the good examples. He just kept going the right way a long time. Eventually, it worked out, didn't it? Joseph never defected from the Lord. Over and over again, the most beautiful thing in that section of Genesis that it says about Joseph is the Lord was with him. Everywhere he went, he was with the Lord and the Lord was with him. He didn't defect on the Lord. He didn't get so discouraged. If you read that story, he had lots of reasons to be discouraged. Over, over all those years, he had many opportunities. He had lots of time. I mean, I'm, to, be, to be made a slave after you was living at home with dad, that would be enough for some people to be discouraged. To go to jail would be enough. To, be, to go to jail for a rape you didn't do would be enough to be discouraged. I mean, there are so many moments and times, but he doesn't. So I just want to say to you, if you're waiting on God, if you're if you're waiting on God to show up in some area and it just seems like, God, your timing is just not, not, it's not happening soon enough. It'd be better to go further waiting on the Lord than it would be to go your own way. Amen. 
David endured for so long and he did the right thing for a good amount of time. But where we are right now, David has stopped. Something you haven't seen since David started talking to himself is David talking to the Lord. Notice that. Prior to this, David would inquire of the Lord, seek the Lord, go to the priest. You know, it was always some way looking to the Lord, seeking the Lord. But since chapter 27, verse one, where David talked to himself, said in his heart, he hasn't been he hasn't spoke to the Lord yet. Right. Since he spoke into his own heart, he'd been just going and doing and going and doing. He's not going to turn to the Lord until things will get as bad as they can get. And then finally, he will turn back to the Lord. Thank God. But I believe that there's a lesson here in us being careful about letting discouragement push us away from God. In our times of trouble, we need to run to the Lord. Bible says he's an ever present help in our times of trouble. And so we got to go to him. Uh, I love Hebrews. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that phrase in time of need means when you need it the most. God's like, come, I want you to come boldly to my throne. I want you to approach the throne of grace with a level of boldness that you may find everything you need. That You're going to find mercy from God and you're going to find help, the help that you need in your time of need. Here's the thing. Many people in their time of need don't look to the Lord. In their time of need, they run from the Lord. Sometimes when we need the Lord the most, we're tempted to go another way. We're tempted to, you know, go away from the Lord or look, look away from him. It's when we need him the most that we want to run to him. And so that verse is Hebrews 4, verse 16. It's when we need him the most. When we, sometimes that's when you mess up. When you sin, some people sin and they're like, oh, I can't go to God. God. That's when you need him the most. You need to come. You're embarrassed. Come, come now. God, God has seen a whole lot worse than what you just did. Don't let there be anything to keep you from coming to the Lord. You need to, we all need to get good at running to the Lord. Amen. I need to run from everything else, but I need to run to the Lord. And so that's a mistake that David makes here that we need to learn from so that we don't make the same mistake. In particular, if you're discouraged, right? If you're discouraged about anything, marriage stuff, health stuff, work stuff, life stuff, Whatever it may be, some some not coming your way soon enough. Don't let your discouragement become your leader. Uh, you want to go in your discouragement. You want to take it to the Lord and let the Lord minister to you and meet you and speak to you in the midst of it. I was pondering this as, as I went through. Um, I, I haven't had in my life a lot of lengthy discouragements. Right. I've been fairly blessed over the course of my life. There have been some seasons that were very difficult, though. And there were seasons where there were discouraging things going on in my life. And this is just for me. I'm just sharing what God, what God has ministered to me in those times. In the seasons of discouragement, what I have found, if I will look to the Lord, those are actually seasons where God shows me more of who he is. I've learned more through difficult seasons about God than I have through some of the good seasons. Uh, when I say good, you know, when things are going great, it's not that I'm not experiencing God. I'm appreciating the greatness. But there's some times where I'm desperate and broken and hurting and going through. And, and, and those are times where I've, I've experienced God just show himself. Show me what's going on. Show me why he's allowed it. Show me what his purpose is. One of for me that I, that I recall right now, one of, one of the, the more 
I guess, discouraging seasons for me. Early on when we planted the church and I was trying to, you know, I had been on staff at a church for 11 years. So trying to find a job that would allow me to sustain my family while planting a church was difficult. just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive, and somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website, don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.